This is Mainspring Family Wellness, where transformation takes root. This podcast is for parents pursuing both personal growth and family wellness. We will cover relevant topics that help us reflect, make educated choices, and parent effectively. My name is Kristen Perlmutter. I'm an educator, a philanthropist, and a mother of three who is passionate about personal growth and seeing families at their optimal wellness. And I'm Dr. Jenna Flowers, a marriage and family therapist, author of The Conscious Parents Guide to Co-Parenting, speaker, and mother of three. Welcome to Mainspring Family Wellness. We're really excited to have Carrie Paul here today of The Longest Fork. Uh, She's a chef and a teacher, and I'm really excited to have this conversation today. Uh, School just started, and I think uh, making lunches and making healthy family dinners are uh, on everybody's minds. So I'm really excited to hear more about what you do, Carrie. I'm very happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you. So I know that you used to be an investment baker. So you made a huge change, a huge transition from finance to cooking. Tell us a little bit about that. Yes, a very unconventional path, (laughs) for sure. I was an investment banker and was working at the time when I had three children, and my middle child suffered from severe food sensitivities Mm. that were undiagnosed. Mm. And she suffered both physically and emotionally from it. Uh, We were at kind of our wit's end, and I had participated in a culinary school program at night up in Pasadena, never pursued anything with it, but took those skills and thought I should really address the food because there was a misdiagnosis. She wasn't getting cured. Mm. And we took that path. And within a couple months of eating whole foods, we saw a significant change in her behavior and in her physical ailments. And she said to me one day when I was working in my office, why are you smiling in the kitchen all the time and frowning in your office? And from the the wise mouth of a second grader, I went to sleep and didn't think anything of it. And I woke up in the middle of the night and I had this aha moment. And I thought I really need to teach people about the power of food. And the journey began there. Um, Mm -hmm. I was fortunate enough to be in a position where my husband supported this um, transition and really saw the power in it. And so here I am today, seven years later, with an organic farm-to-table culinary school that started out just with kids. Mm -hmm. And now it's teens and adults. So you bring up something really interesting with raising a child with different food allergies and having to basically revolutionize probably your kitchen at the time to really address the issues. Absolutely. How did you go about incentivizing your daughter to eat whole foods? I was raising children in what I thought was a pretty healthy home. Mm -hmm. We were buying, you know, relatively healthy food. We had minimal fast food in our diet, but there was an area that I wasn't focusing on, and that was additives and flavors and colorings. Hmm. And some children are just more sensitive to to that. Mm-hmm. Um, she was one of them. And it was really hard at first to incentivize kids to eat that way. I think really it's 
kind of a three-prong approach. Kids are curious by nature. Mm-hmm. And at that age, she was still curious. But she also was in an environment where she had peer pressure. What were the other kids eating at school? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think c- combining a three-prong approach where exposing children to a variety of foods, engaging them in the process, and then also educating them. So between combining those three components, mm-hmm. uh, I think that's how we're able to be successful. So, you know, as an example of exposing a child, um, a lot of kids don't really understand where food comes from. Mm-hmm. We go to the grocery store or order from Amazon, all these food delivery programs, and kids don't realize where a specific vegetable or fruit comes from. And that can be kind of scary for a kid not understanding where it comes from. Uh, So exposing them to farmer's markets or exposing them to picking your own vegetables. You know, you you may not be in a position to have a garden, but there are lots of you pick farmer's markets per se. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's so true. When we started our own box garden at home, my kids all of a sudden became very excited about, oh, the strawberries are coming in, or look here at the green beans, or you can go pick the tomatoes. And they're participating. They're a part of it. And so then they're more um, able to actually be excited about salad. Right. (laughs) Because they had something to do with that salad on the table. Absolutely. And then that comes into the engagement part, which Mm -hmm. is uh, bringing them into the process. So Mm. the process from meal planning to meal prep, Mm -hmm. to actually cutting and chopping and preparing and and being involved in the the meal plan. I allow my kids to choose one meal a week. Um, They come up with the menu and the rest of us have to appreciate it and enjoy it for their creativity. It it may not be what you want to eat. So that's what's worked for us in terms of supporting that. But when you say they come up with the menu, they're actually doing the cooking as well? Um, when they were younger, no. Uh-huh. When she was in second grade, no. Uh-huh, right. She came up with the ideas. And so that also gave her the power that it was hers mm-hmm. and ownership of it. And mm-hmm. so she was more uh, likely to eat it. So what are, I mean, what is your advice to parents who have really picky eaters or kids with allergies and you're trying to accommodate, you know, a family of four or five? Um you know, I know a lot of times it's like a control or power struggle, but how do you how do you get them to eat the healthy, nourishing food that they need? It absolutely is a control. I think it's a combination of them feeling the power that they have, but also, like I said, understanding where it comes from. So in addition to the variety, adding variety into their diet, mm-hmm. um, the more that you can add a new vegetable or a new fruit that they pick out. So in our family, we would have a new fruit or vegetable of the week. And we would then uh, go to the grocery store and pick whatever it is out. And we may not know what it is. They may not know what it is. And so we would then, we have an encyclopedia, a visual food encyclopedia, and we would look it up and read about it and learn a combination of where it came from and what are its health benefits as mm. well, right? So because cool. food is so healing. Yeah. And so when you teach kids about, it's not just a strawberry. 
there's so much more to that strawberry. You know, it's there. There's so many other benefits, and that's a that's something that's helped. Uh, we also with picky eaters, it's it is control, and it's a it's a matter of allowing them to have a say in what they're participating in. Mm-hmm. But Carrie, do you find that w- with some picky eaters, because I'm sure you've also seen them in your your food classes as well, right? Absolutely. Do you think some of the picky eating is because they have food allergies or they are have been exposed to certain processed foods or additives that is causing more moodiness around food or shifting their, their mentality about it? Yes, I, but I would say majority. Yeah, kids innately... Right. And when you don't when you eat something and you don't feel well, mm-hmm. they know mm-hmm. and they end up st- typically staying away from it. Right. So, yes. But there are a lot of kids who just it becomes a habit. OK. So when you meet the t- type of kiddo that just wants bread and macaroni and cheese, <laughs> is that do you think that's solely a habit or do you think that's also kind of addictive additives that they've grown accustomed? I to? think it's a combination, a combination. of both. Yeah. Right. Because the more white foods and high sugar and processed, then you're talking about spikes in sugar and crashing. And so you're constantly on this uh, roller coaster of getting your sugar levels back up before they crash again. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's a combination of that. I think it's a combination of not being exposed to some of the foods mm-hmm. or feeling forced. So a lot of parents come in and they take a, the kids are taking a class. And the first thing that the parent says to me is, Whispering, I just want to let you know that they're a picky eater. So if they if if they don't try anything, that's okay. And I said, absolutely, I hundred percent. And it's really interesting to see. I would say ninety five percent of these quote unquote picky eaters will try, will taste, and will actually walk away liking wow. a, a fruit or a vegetable or a food item that they didn't think they liked. So hmm. parents have kind of um, acquiesced to to their kids' Absolutely. habits mm-hmm. more. And so upon introducing more, giving them some options and empowerment with it, then you're seeing them actually try it out. Absolutely. And, and presenting it in a way, not just presenting the food to them, but there has to be a meaning. Kids are curious and they want to know and they want to learn. Mm-hmm. So if you present the food and and back it up with, information, mm-hmm. kids like that. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's information with a chemical reaction that takes place when you cook that food or information about the health benefits mm-hmm. or information about, hey, look at how when you take an apple and you eat it raw versus when you cook an apple. Mm-hmm. Let's see the difference between that. Let's let's see how that the flavor profile changes with just and, and what was the chemical reaction that happened to that? Kids like to see things change. When parents tell me their kids are picky, it absolutely can be a, a food sensitivity. But a, I would say a majority of the time, it, it's not the food sensitivity that's keeping them away. It's, it's the hab- habitualness of mm-hmm. it. A lot of families get into a position where they are a short order cook. Mm-hmm. They prepare not one meal, but maybe two or three, depending on right. the likes of their family. Kristen, do you know anything about that yeah. with three children? <laughs> now, you know, we have a rule in our house. It's you eat what is in front of you or you can make a choice not to eat. I, I know that may sound harsh, but and 
you know, it kind of forces them to um, to respect what I've made and to try it. And they may not like it. And I didn't like half the things that my mom made. But that's just that's life. Right. <laughs> and I think, you know, unless there's a failure to thrive. Right. I mm-hmm. think you can take that approach. Um, another approach. I only prepare one meal, but I also prepare meals that are deconstructed. Mm. Oh, tell us more about that. So you're still preparing one meal and eating the same meal as family and community. Mm-hmm. So in our household, food is not solely just for nutritional benefits. Uh, food for us is also about community. It's about family. It's about friends. It's about laughter. It's about connecting. And so when we prepare one meal, first of all, my kids have tried to help in some process, whether they've helped with the planning, whether they've helped with the prep work. So they're engaged and involved in it. Um, But they may not. Marley, my daughter, who had the food sensitivities, um, couldn't eat eggs for a while. So if I made a meal that had eggs, I would deconstruct it somehow. So if we were having breakfast burritos for dinner, which we love breakfast for dinner, Mm -hmm. um, I, I create a breakfast burrito bar. And in that, there's multitude of foods you can put in. So um, you can convert and deconstruct probably about any meal. And if it's deconstructed, you're also giving the child the power to make the choices. So a deconstructed meal in our house doesn't include processed foods. Mm -hmm. So all of the options are whole, healthy food choices. So it doesn't matter what you put in it. You're going to get whole, healthy foods. And I encourage my kids to choose a vegetable, a protein, a healthy fat source, but there's multiple options to choose from. And so I feel like that gives them the power to want to try Mm. food. Sometimes we have little food competition at our house, and that is who can create the most unique deconstructed item. So if we're having you know, rice bowls, who can create from an aesthetic standpoint, who can create an artwork piece out of it, mm-hmm. who can create the most, um, put the most vegetables in it, who can put the most green vegetables in it. Um, oh, I really like that idea. It's really creative. And Very. back to you, Kristen, about um, making one meal. There are times when my kids have decided that they do not want what I'm making. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. And we have a list of about three things that they can choose to eat and make on their own and clean up. Hmm. Um, It doesn't happen very often, but there have been times. And so I think families who offer that as an option and puts the control back into the kid as well. Yeah. So, and I'm sure that works well with older kids that can participate, but I think I see people struggling with little kids that like you mentioned, mentioned, they will only eat white food. And I know people like that, like, well, my kids will only eat white food. <laughs> so, Absolutely. Yeah. That's, um, so speaking of that, I know that my daughters went to one of your cooking classes and had the best time. And it was neat because they came home and they were, they brought some of the food home and they were sharing their brownies with me. And I realized that there was some veggies in your brownies. And I thought, wow, what a great way to get your kid to eat some vegetables because you right. wouldn't have known by the taste. They were absolutely delicious. I think they were the zucchini. Yeah, right? zucchini. Oh, there zucchini was zucchini brownies. in yes. there. Yes. And they, I don't think they 
either they realize it and they didn't care or maybe they didn't realize it. But what a great way to hide veggies. Do you have any other tricks up your sleeve like that? Well, I don't like to use the word hide. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Why don't you like to use the word hide? Because I'm all about educating Mm -hmm. Um, and honesty and and so when I make a smoothie uh, for my kids, the first thing they ask me, so what's in this? Mm-hmm. And I say, well, why don't you try it first? Sometimes they do. Sometimes they don't. Mm-hmm. Um, but once I tell them everything that's in it, and I definitely sneak in some crazy ingredients, um, <laughs> they, they're they like, really? That's what's in there? Um, so for those picky eaters, smoothies are really, really good ways to mm-hmm. introduce um, kids to even more of the bitter uh, vegetables because that's um, a sense and a taste that a lot of young kids have a hard time because it, it is very strong. And, mm-hmm. and you, do need, you do need to be exposed to a variety of flavors and especially those that are bitter, whether it's, you know, crucifer- cruciferous vegetable (laughs) like a you know broccoli Mm -hmm. or kale um, multiple times before your saliva produces a protein that actually reduces the the bitterness in that food so I tell clients and parents all the time that an exposure to a food uh, one time is not enough for your body to recognize for your senses to recognize it. And there's lots of different studies that have shown and people come up with different amounts of um, exposure, but I say at least 10 times. So with a smoothie, you can easily put in more of those flavors and expose the child to the bitter or whatever it is that they're um, maybe adverse to. Um Question for you. Studies have shown time and time again the importance of healthy breakfast to help kids focus in school. Do you believe this is true? And also, how do you encourage a well-balanced meal to start your child's day? I absolutely believe this is true. And I struggle with with intermittent fasting. Yes, because I know that's very popular for adults. Hopefully not for children. Yeah. (laughs) For adults, it absolutely is. And, you know, our children model our behavior. And so I struggle with it. And there are some health benefits for adults who are on this. And, and But children should should definitely have a healthy breakfast. They're growing. They need the, the calories they need. And they need the calories to come from healthy sources. Mm-hmm. And so, as I mentioned, the smoothie is a great way. I wouldn't recommend a smoothie for breakfast. And and that's probably um, going to shock some people, but it starts your day with a sugar level that's incredibly high. Oh. Mm. And so your breakfast is a baseline for the day. And so what you start your morning off with, your body has to sustain mm. that level of sugar or else you're going to experience these crashes. So my suggestion for healthy breakfast, and my kids prepare their own breakfast, and they have been doing so since my son was four. Oh, that's great. Wow. And so I put up a sheet that shows 
healthy options. So there's a protein source they need, a, a fruit source, and a fat source. And there's a, a little matrix we have, and they can piece that together. The sugar spike is a challenge that we're struggling with, not just in my household, mm-hmm. but everywhere. Right. everywhere. Mm-hmm. And when you start your day off with that much sugar, you're going to have some very high peaks and high falls. The peak that you climb to reach the sugar that you've in- ingested and the insulin that you're producing is that same fall down. Mm-hmm. And so then you end up on this roller coaster throughout the mm. day. So if you can start your day with a higher protein and less sugar source, that's going to be best. So like oatmeal with nut butter or seed butter, mm-hmm. if you have a nut allergy, and some berries, something with fiber. So fiber, protein, and fat source is mm-hmm. a good way to start. Mm. Not, so that's for everybody, adults too. Absolutely. Do you typically recommend more higher protein with like a paleo diet? I think it depends on the child. We eat in moderation. We have a in our household 80-20 rules. So we don't follow one specific, um, you know, paleo or vegan or vegetarian or keto or... What do you uh, mean by 80-20? So 80% of the time we're eating healthy whole food diet and 20% of the time we're enjoying life and eating an In-N-Out burger and a Costco hot dog. Got it. <laughs> Not I'm, for breakfast. No, yeah. you know what? I, I'm glad you brought that up because that was one of our follow-up questions with yeah. you is like can, like processed foods because yep. when our kids go to middle school or I know when my daughter was at high school, there were kids having just a bag of chips for lunch. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, how much is too much when it comes to processed foods of what we allow in our homes or I guess also sometimes trusting that our kids are making good decisions or if they're not, what percentage of that is okay and, and healthy enough right. in their diets? I try and shoot for that 80-20. Yeah. So as much as I can offer in our home a healthy, try organic as much as possible um, food source 80% of the time and then 10% of the time we don't because we're at kids are at a birthday party or there's an event. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, with processed food comes high sugar levels, high sodium levels, low fiber. And fiber is one of the main areas that our kids today are lacking because Mm. of all this processed food. You're talking about the the kids that eat just the white. And fiber is so important for lots of reasons. You know, obviously for the adults, we hear fiber and we think... um, you know, going to the bathroom, going to the bathroom, right. constipation, which mm-hmm. is an issue with children mm-hmm. um, as well. But fiber also plays into sugar level controls and how you process carbohydrates. And mm. and the American Heart Association has published all kinds of research on the the benefits of a high fiber diet, even for kids. And that's one of the things that are missing in kids' diets is fiber. Is fiber. And because we've moved to this more processed. Uh, society with food that uh, we've lost a lot of the fiber. And just to mm-hmm. illustrate, fiber looks like apples, apples, flax seeds. Yep. So, so apples specifically have, um, I think, about five grams of fiber, mm-hmm. and some of that's soluble and some of it's insoluble, and you need both. Um, avocados have oh, fiber. Okay. Oh, I didn't know that. And all fruits and vegetables, seeds. 
uh, nuts, whole grains. So those kids that are eating that white food diet, they're eating wheat that's been stripped of the fiber. Mm. Or if you're eating white rice, you're stripping all the fiber on the oh, outside yeah. of the rice. Mm-hmm. So kind of going a different direction here, but I know I wanted to talk about, especially you have some te- some teenagers at home. You know, how do you uh, address, you know, body image issues while still cultivating a, a healthy food environment and encouraging uh, healthy food choices? That is a really good question. <laughs> so I have a senior daughter and a freshman daughter and a sixth grade son. And the body issues are real. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The pressures are real. And in our household, we try and focus on food being not just nutrition mm-hmm. and food being enjoyment and food as family. And especially with the girls, and I'm sure my son will also experience this, but the girls at the age that they are Mm -hmm. and the pressure, the social pressures that they have, they struggle with it. And we continually talk about that, yes, you need to feed your body nutritious food, but it's not the sole focus um, because I have experienced where kids and teens focus on that and lose lose the benefit and the enjoyment out of eating mm-hmm. and become incredibly dedicated to just food and then move into other food issues, right. unhealthy eating habits. Mm-hmm. So I would suggest, and what we're working on in our household, is that we talk about food as enjoyment and nutrition and community all together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know for my family being um, from Hawaii, you know, a lot of our cultural things happen around food, you know, and and food is part of the culture. Enjoying the food is part of the culture. And so I raised my daughter with just the knowledge of like, you know, this food is always going to be around. Enjoy as much as you'd like. Just stop when you're full. And so to understand that button in your in your own system of like, oh, I've had enough. Like all food is good here. So just enjoy being with family, being with our community, but just stop when you're full. I think that's a great Mm -hmm. advice. Yeah. 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 Well, so tell us more about the um, cooking classes you teach and, you know, the process that occurs. I know there's gardening involved and barbecuing. and Yes. Oh, my passion. (laughs) Uh, So the cooking classes... Uh, specifically for kids and teens, uh, involve an organic garden. And I created it this way because of the connection to nature. I felt like our kids were losing that connection. And also the connection, not just for the knowledge purpose, but the connection in terms of the nutritional benefit of the soil. Mm-hmm. So food is 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 kind of the highway to getting the nutrients from the soil and the earth to our body. So there's incredible benefits in the soil, microbial benefits in the soil, and the food is just that highway to to get to us. But when we buy conventional 
non-organic food or wash organic vegetables. We've we've washed all of the microbial benefits and and the good bacteria off that that help us. So my goal was to create an area for kids to to come and connect with the earth, become educated from um, what they're harvesting, and to eat local seasonal vegetables and fruit in a um, kind of a vegetable and fruit forward cooking experience. So that's that was the goal, and it's it's become my passion as well. And so the kids and teens uh, will cook and prepare with they actually harvest uh, what's in season and then incorporate that into healthy food. And um, it's 100% hands-on, so they're in control of um, making everything from the very beginning of the recipe to the end of the recipe. And um, there's math involved and um, science, chemistry, mm-hmm. um, and the kids leave with the knowledge of, not just the knowledge of food and how to prepare it, but the knowledge of that they can do it, mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. that there's a sense of pride and ownership in what they've created. And my biggest joy is when kids come in and say, I don't eat this. <laughs> and they leave with kale on their pizza and they say, I actually really like kale. That's great. That's a big win. Yeah, it is. For sure. <laughs> it is. For sure. It is. I still get goosebumps. Kids write me years after they have attended my class and they write and talk about what they're preparing. Mm. And it just is so rewarding to see and read that that they're now ex- experiencing and eating and, and enjoying healthy food. That's great. Well, Carrie, thank you so much for being on the show today. You've been such a wealth of information and so helpful to ourselves and our listeners. And yet, could you just give everybody your info where they can find your classes? Sure. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah. Uh, My classes are available on my website, which is www.thelongestfork.com, or on social media, The Longest Fork. And I also offer adult cooking classes and kid birthday parties, cooking competition events, and corporate team building. Carrie, thank you so much again for taking the time to be here on Mainspring Family Wellness. You have been such a wealth of information for our listeners and their families, as well as for Kristen and I today. So thank you. Thank Thank you. you.